Today, we want to... Praise the Lord. We want to continue our series of messages we've been doing over the last few weeks about the word blessed and what it means to be blessed, blessed in our individual lives, our walk with God, blessed in our homes, uh, blessed in, our, uh, in, in the churches that God has allowed us to be in and to serve, and then blessed in our nation. If you see the next icon there, it's located under the... Can we show that, what I'm looking at? That is such a cool... Uh, graphic. Y'all may not be able to see that, but I, I can see it. Uh, can y'all see it? There it is. So you got the blessed heart, the blessed uh, home, the blessed church, the blessed nation, which that is our nation, by the way. That's the United States of America, if you didn't recognize that. And then you got, I don't, I don't know what they're teaching in school today. I don't even know if they teach that anymore. But anyhow, that is our country, and then that is uh, our world. And think of it like a, you, you drop a pebble in a pond, and there are concentric circles and it begins in our individual walk with God, right? And that's preeminent, that's most important. And then in our homes and in our churches, nation, and world. Did you know that God has assigned you not only when you would be born, but it precisely and exactly where you would live? Did you know that? Some of you say, well, I'm from Missouri, Pastor Danny. Would you show me that in Scripture? And, I, and I'll just, just read it to you. It's Acts chapter 17, verse 26, and it says this. And God has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth. And God determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings. Acts 17, 26 says that God, He allowed us to be born at precisely the time we were born, in the epoch of time we were born, and precisely within the parameters or the geographical boundaries in which we find ourselves. And so here we are, placed in 2017 in the United States of America, and it is precisely by the will and the way of a sovereign, omnipotent, all-powerful God. And we are born and we live here in this country, most of us do. The Bible says in Luke 12, 48, For everyone to whom much is given, from him much will be required. For to whom much has been committed of him, they will ask the more. So the Lord has put this on my heart over the last few weeks. I really wanted us to focus on just how blessed we are to live in this country, to enjoy what we enjoy. And I can only attribute the blessings and the prosperity and all the glory and all the influence that the United States of America enjoys I give God Almighty all the honor, all the glory, and all the credit to Him be praised for blessing us as He has. And you say, well, are we a Christian nation? Well, that's very debatable, right? I, I know we have uh, Christian characteristics in our nation. In many places in our nation, we have abandoned God, and we have done things that are very contrary to God and to Scripture. But I want you to think about this for just a moment. Do you know any other nation that is so blessed and has so many followers of Christ in that nation? I don't. And you say, well, why is that? The Bible says, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Now, that's written to Israel, but I believe it's written for us and for any nation that would say we honor and we worship the one true almighty God. Now, when the Bible says, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, it's not talking about this plurality or pantheon or polytheism or many gods. 
It's being very narrow when it says the one true living God. Because in Scripture, that's all Scripture knows. That there is one God, creator of the heavens and the earth, creator of mankind, gave his son Jesus Christ as a sacrifice for sin. Up from the grave he arose after he shed his blood on the cross. The Holy Spirit of God descends 40 days later, and here we are marching in victory. That is the Christian God. Now, you have hints of this Trinitarian God in the Old Testament. Let us make man in our image. Yes, that's a plurality of majesty. It's also, I believe, a reference to our triune God. But in the New Testament, it's very obvious. It's very conspicuous. It's very clear that the Christian, the Christian faith is a, is a monotheistic faith, but it's also a Trinitarian faith. It's not modalism where you only isolate the oneness of God, nor is it tritheism where you, where you overemphasize the three natures of God. In some mysterious way, God is one, and yet he is in three persons. Now, when you and I get to heaven, we can ask God about this, and he'll explain it to us, all right? But in the meantime, we trust him. But think about our nation. Why does the president of the United States of America place his hand on the Quran? and sworn into uh, office. You say, whoa, 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 just a minute. That is, that is not the Quran. Why is it the Bible? Think about that for a moment. There's plenty of other holy books and religious books, but why does he place his hand on the Bible? Well, I will tell you why. I'll give you some reasons why. George Washington in 1777, the Battle of Valley Forge, he kneels down in the snow, and I know this is debated, and I've studied it, and I've researched the debate on it, but President Ronald Reagan said it's one of the most clear, beautiful expressions of a person who's depended upon Almighty God. And there George Washington is, and we've got it in these portraits and these paintings, and he's kneeled down beside his horse, and he's praying to a God, right? Now, which God do you think he's praying to? I'll go ahead and tell you, it's the Christian God, the Judeo-Christian God that is demonstrated, is clearly defined in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Fast forward to Thomas Jefferson. Thomas Jefferson said, the rock upon which this republic rests is the Bible. Now, I didn't say that. He said that. The rock upon which this republic rests is the Bible. Now, I'm reading a biography on Thomas Jefferson even as we speak. John Bowles has written a wonderful biography, and I would encourage you to read it. I'm currently reading. It's about this thick, and it weighs about 800 pounds. All right? It's one of those big ones, but I like it, and I'm getting into it and reading it. Thomas Jefferson said, I want to be known for three things, and when I die, place this on my tombstone. First of all, I was the author of the Declaration of Independence, which it states that all men are created by God and we are entitled to certain rights. You remember that's the opening line of the Declaration of Independence. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal and they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights. Among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Thomas Jefferson. The three things he said I want to be known. Number one, I was the author of the Declaration of Independence. Number two, and it's listed on his tombstone, you can see it, is I was a champion for religious liberty. Okay? And that he was. And the reason, one of the reasons why we have such religious liberty in our nation is because of Thomas Jefferson. And the third one happens to be a university there, the Cavaliers, the University of Virginia. He also created, he started, founded the University of Virginia. Then you come to Benjamin Franklin. 1787, in the Constitutional Congress or, or conference they had there in Philadelphia, they were at an impasse. 
And they were fussing and bickering among themselves as the states. How does the states relate to the union? And they're just in this, I mean, they're just debating and they're arguing. And finally, uh, Benjamin Franklin stands up and he says, I would like to address the assembly. And this is what he said. To that kind providence, we owe this happy opportunity of consulting in peace on the means of establishing our future national felicity. And have we now forgotten that powerful friend talking about God? I have lived, sir, a long time, and the longer I live, the more convincing proofs I see of this truth that God governs in the affairs of men. And here's the famous quote. And if a sparrow cannot fall to the ground without his notice, is it probable that an empire can rise without his aid? He goes on to say, We have been assured, sir, in the sacred writings, that except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain, that build it. And now I want to submit to this assembly that every time we meet, let us get one of the clergy, one of the Christian clergy, let them come and pray over our assembly. And by the way, that's how they open Congress today. They open it with a word of prayer. And I was watching a debate not long ago between this atheist and evangelist Jay Strack. And the atheist, he, he just hated the fact that there's so much Christianity within the foundation of our nation. And he says, yes, it's there, and I can't do anything about it, but, but I'm going to do everything in my power to eradicate all of that out of our nation today. And I would respond to that, why in the world would you want to cut off the very hand that has blessed this nation? And that would be our sovereign God. So what does it look like to be a blessed nation? What it looks like to me is, to whom much has been given, much now will be required. I was talking to a friend of mine in Austin a number of years ago, and a very influential person in our city, and he and I began to have a little debate. And he told me, he said, well, the fact that you and I live in Austin, and we live in one of the greatest cities in the world, it was absolutely pure luck of the draw. You got lucky, and I got lucky, and we got to live in the United States, and we get to live now in Austin, Texas. And I said, sir, I just have to disagree with you because I don't see it as luck at all. I see it that a sovereign God allowed you and allowed me to be born in these United States of America, and to whom much is given, now much is required. That's why I go to the nations. That's why I love to give. That's why I try to lead our church to be a blessed giving church because... We have been given so very, very much. And what I want to do is I want to look at Psalm 33 with you. And it's a beautiful psalm. I'm going to read the whole psalm. I'm going to make a few comments about it and in the end make some points of application. We should get out of here by 2 p.m. No problem whatsoever. Thank you for staying with me. And by the way, thank you. It's totally surprised, Fred and Fran. Thank you all. I'm very honored, very, very blessed that y'all would give me uh, whatever you gave me in that card. And I'm very, I was joking about my wife taking it, sort of joking about my wife taking it, but she'll take it and she'll put it to good use. And I'm very blessed, too, that y'all would send me to Houston to go do that. I, that is just, um, I'm, I'm very honored. But it puts some pressure on me. I need to stay in shape and I need to continue to do those things and I, and I want to do those things. So thank you, church family. I'm very, very blessed and very honored to be your pastor and to see what God has led us through, what God is leading us to. And then I, I really believe that God has amazing, great things in store for us as a church. And I think we're beginning to see just glimpses of that. So here's what I want to do. Psalm 33 is a tremendous uh, chapter. It's 33 verses 1 through 22. And here's the thing. 
instead of focusing upon how great our nation is, I would like to turn the focus on how great God is who has blessed our nation. Do you see the difference? Instead of focusing upon just our nation, the, the Bible says blessed is any nation. Uh, and the Hebrew word there literally means happy is the nation, and it's always in the plural. So it's the plurality of blessings upon the nation whose God is Jehovah, is Yahweh God. Now you can argue with me all you want, but it's hard to win that argument when you go back to the founding fathers and you say, well, I don't believe that. They are a bunch of deists and they a bunch of had a... No, no, no. You, you go read for yourself. That's what they said. And I don't agree with their... My word, I don't agree with everything they believed or they said, but this much I am so grateful for that I pledge allegiance to the United States of America, one nation under God. Where in the world did that come from? Why would we put that in such a founding, foundational document of our United States? And it's because our founding fathers had the wherewithal and the common sense to appeal to Almighty God. And I really don't make any apologies for that. That's just the way it is. But who is this God? First of all, let, let's worship this God, okay? Let's praise the Lord God. The Bible says in verse 1, Rejoice in the Lord, O you righteous, for praise from the upright is beautiful. Praise the Lord with the harp. Make melody to him with an instrument of ten strings. Now, our orchestra is not here today, right? They weren't here. But when they are here, they use those gifts and those talents to praise the Lord with the string instruments. And then, Brother Terry, it's very interesting. Kristen, it says, Sing to him a new song. Hello. I never heard that song a minute ago that y'all led us to. And you know what my response to that is? Y'all were very, very biblical. Thank you for teaching us a new song. You say, well, I didn't like that song. I never sung that song before. You need to take that up with King David, all right? Just argue with King David because he said, sing a new song to the Lord. Play skillfully with a shout of joy. And when we hit a couple of those stanzas in that last song... I heard some Bapticostals among us out there. I mean, I heard some people shouting and praising the Lord, and I think I was one of them. But anyhow, it, it was beautiful. But it's very biblical because here's the deal. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, and that great God is worthy to be praised. All right, And that's what verses 1 through 3 is all about. Number two, let's be in awe of the character, the nature and the work of this sovereign God. Let's just be in awe of Him. And it will cause us to bow our hearts and our lives before Him and to give Him praise and thanksgiving. Why? And I want to read it to you. It says in verse 4, For the word of the Lord is right, and all of His work is done in truth. He loves righteousness and justice. Now, what, as I read these verses through, I think it's verse 19, just, just soak it in, Great Hills, just, just soak in the doctrine, the theology, the teaching about the nature of God. What, what David is doing in the psalm, really the, the, the statement, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the emphasis is on God the Lord. And he goes back to verse 1 through verse 22 to help us understand more clearly who this God is. Now, by the way, Israel lived in a very polytheistic culture. There was Chemosh, there was Baal, there was all these fertility gods and goddesses. And yet the Bible says in Genesis chapter 12, verse 3, that God touched Abram. He pulled him out of the Ur of the Chaldeans, and he placed him in the promised land. And he said in verse 3 of Genesis 12, read it, it says, And in through you, Abraham, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. 
And it's through his posterity and it's through his lineage, of course, through the Messiah, Jesus Christ. So this is the God that is being praised and worshipped in Psalm 33. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. And all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. Now think about that for just a moment. What does that do to gradualism and naturalistic evolution? It absolutely dismantles and destroys it. You cannot believe in the Word of God and hold to a millions and billions of years. I just don't think you can because the Bible says that God spoke it. Now, He spoke a full-blown earth, right? It looks a lot older than it really is. God spoke it into existence. It doesn't say He took eons of time and we went, you know, from the goo to the zoo to you. It doesn't say any of that. It just says that God created, and his highest form of creation was mankind. Come on now. You got a choice to make. The aliens did it, evolution did it, or almighty God did it. You take your choice. Take your choice. Those, those are your only choices. Sir Francis Crick, who found, who discovered the, the macromolecule DNA, he said, well, I know how we got here. The aliens did it. The aliens came to earth, and they created everything. And somebody asked him, who created the aliens? He said, I don't know. I don't know who created them. You got naturalistic, pure, raw, mass mutation, evolution that says it, it, it explains everything. Where did love come from, for heaven's sake? Where did the morality come from? Where did, where, where did faith come from? Well, it either comes from the aliens, from naturalistic pure evolution, or the Bible says God spoke it and it is so. Now remember, Psalm 33 is giving praise to this God. He's worshiping this one true God. He gathers the waters of the sea together as a heap. He lays up the deep in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him, right? For he spoke and it was done. What is he talking about? He's talking about creation. Okay, he spoke it and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. The Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He makes the plans of the peoples of no effect. The counsel of the Lord stands forever, the plans of his heart to all generations. Here it is. You see the way it's couched, the way it's phrased, the way it's, it's placed in the word of God? All these accolades and all of this praise, giving honor and glory to the one true God. And then it's almost like the psalmist catches his breath and says, What a mighty God, and oh, we're so blessed to know him. We're so blessed to have a relationship with him. Blessed is that nation whose God is the Lord. Now, the Lord there, the, the tetragrammaton, that is the Jehovah, with the vowels, you get the word Yahweh, and with the vowels, there it is, Jehovah, the self-existent eternal God, who was and is and will forever be. The one true living God who is omnipotent, omnipresent. He's all-knowing. He's omniscient. He is great. He is awesome. He is the one true God, I'm about to go to a country, they got 330 million gods and goddesses. They've got gods to gnats, they've got gods to monkeys, they've got gods to people and ancestors, they've got all kinds of gods. My word, somebody help me, I'm really a simple person. Are they right or is the Bible right? 
Somebody has to be right on this. You know, somebody has to be wrong. I don't know about you, but I'm going to choose to believe with all of my heart that God is one. He is the one true God. I just believe that. I trust that to be the case. We are the people he has chosen as his own inheritance. The Lord looks from heaven. He sees all the sons of men. Talking about his penetrating gaze, his omniscient mind. From the place of his dwelling, he looks on all the inhabitants of the earth. How do you do that? (laughs) Unless you created it. How can you look upon all the inhabitants of the earth? He fashions their hearts. It's a beautiful Hebrew word. It's the same word used in Psalm 139 where it talks about he fashions us individually. He considers all of their works. No king is saved by the multitude of an army. Now I want you to notice something for just a minute. The Bible is really interesting. The Bible has lots of encouragement and it has lots of uh, help and motivation and and it does all of that. But the Bible also has what I call a polemical nature to it. It has also a tone of, this is going to be hard, but I have to share it with you because it's truth. And I believe when we quit doing that, when we want to hear just the good and the positive and the motivating, it is to our detriment if we leave out the harsh and the, and the, and the more difficult phrases. But it's, it's all one, and we need to hear it. We need to have it. God's about to give it to us. Blessed is the nation. He's an awesome God. He created us all. He loves us all. But look out. You cannot be saved by an army. A mighty man is not delivered by great strength. Notice the tone of this. It's changing. A horse is a vain hope for safety. Neither shall it deliver any in its great strength. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him. Right? Not not just respect him and love him, but we, we fear him. He is an awesome God, a just God. Blessed, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his mercy. To deliver their soul from the death and to keep them alive in famine. So here you have this second point that I wanted to bring out. And just just time, I don't have time to just go through each verse like I'd like to. But just understand this. Be in awe of his nature, of his power, of his attributes, of his glory. Know this God that the Bible extols and David unashamedly proclaims him to be the one true living God. (laughs) I just about get tickled. Sometimes I have an out-of-body experience when I'm preaching. I do, and I just had one of them. I just kind of have an out-of-body experience. I don't want to freak y'all out or anything. Don't, Don't put too much into that, but here's what I mean by it. Here I am in one of the most secular cities in all the world. We, what happens here changes the world. University of Texas, hook them horns. We have the capital right down there, and, and we've got prob- more, more atheists in our city per capita than, than may, probably any other city in the nation. And here I am standing up here, and I'm teaching this antiquated, old-fashioned religion that there is a God. He created the world. He'll judge the world. It's almost like an out-of-body experience. How dare I, in this sophisticated, postmodern, pluralistic, secularistic age, have I lost my ever-loving mind? Don't I have any kind of sense or education? How can I stand up here and preach against evolution and, and against polytheism? How can you do that? Unless it's true. And if it's true, let God be praised. Let God be preached. And we preach the truth. 
it's just, I don't know, it's just, uh, preacher, I don't know if you ever, I'm, I'm sure you have. It's, 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 it's almost like a comical moment, you know. It's like, are you, did you really say that? <laughs> you know, do you really believe that? And I do. I, I believe it all. From Genesis to the maps, how about that? To all the way at the end, I believe it. The last thing I want to share with you is this. It's point three, and it's, it's just a simple way for us to cover the last few verses. is trust in this God. Trust in Him for everything. Verse 8 says, fear the Lord, be in awe of Him. Verse 18 says, His eye is on those who fear Him. Now look at verses 20 through 22. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. For our heart shall rejoice in him because we have trusted in his holy name. Let your mercy, O Lord, be upon us just as we hope in you. Did you read that with me? The trust, the hope, the faith, the confidence that our response to this benevolent, awesome God is that we don't argue with him, we don't try to straighten him out, but we trust in him, we hope in him. God gave me a word last night, and I hadn't told anybody this, but I want to tell you, I want y'all to be the first ones. I almost told you, Ashley and Terry, I almost told you standing up here, but I'm going to tell everybody at one time. I don't have many original thoughts, but this is a good one, because this, I believe, came from the Lord. I was standing right over there in that Carrie Job concert last night, and this place was packed with people praising the Lord and worshiping the Lord. And Carrie Job says, what do you want from God? And I was like, man, I want a lot from God. And I just, I just started going, going, okay. And you know what, whenever anybody asks me that, do you all know what always the very first thing on my mind is you? <laughs> she said, no. Don't you want more money? Don't you want a bigger house? Don't you want this? No, no, I don't. I want God to be praised. I want God to be great at Great Hills Baptist Church. And so I started talking to him. I started saying, and so, Lord, here's... And it's like the Spirit of God just came over me and said these words. Be at peace over what I'm doing and how I'm doing it. That's what he said. Just be at peace for what I'm doing and how I am doing it. And I don't, I don't know if that helps any of you, but... For somebody like me, that's, it helped me tremendously. It reminded me, hope in the Lord, trust in the Lord, be faithful to the Lord, keep preaching the word of God, keep living it out, keep going to the nations, and trust in me. Now, the last thing I want to do is, it's actually four really quick things. I'm going to share these with you, and um, then, then we'll be, why do I preach in this jacket? Help me, somebody, please help me. Here, Heinrich, thank you. Man, I'm just like sweaty, wet. Your pastor is a sweating dude. I just want y'all to know that. I, Gary, those salt tablets you give me, brother, thank you. I would, I would die in these triathlons and marathons if I did not just inhale salt and just take it. Once I got to do my sermon, nothing. So let me, let me come back to just some practical points, things that you can take away from this message, all right? There are four things I want you to notice with me. Our allegiance to God comes before our loyalty to our country, okay? <clears throat> In Acts chapter 5, the Sanhedrin, which was the political, religious force of the day, 
They told the apostles, you need to be quiet. You can no longer preach in this person's name. And you remember, Peter and John and the other apostles said, no, sir. We, we have to speak this truth because we have to obey God rather than men. We live in the greatest nation in the world. I, I believe we are. I love Germany and I love, it. I love other nations, but I just I love my nation and I love my country. But I love Jesus Christ more than I do my country. He comes first in, in, in my life. And if there's, ever, if there's ever a choice, or if I ever have to make a stand, I'm always going to choose Jesus over the United States because I'm a Christian before I am an American patriot. Number two, pray for our nation and her leadership. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. And Brother Heinrich, I know we pray. You pray for Miss Merkel. She's been elected, I think, now for the fourth time. And we pray for her. We pray, you pray for your leaders. We pray. I'm going to say his name. All right? I'm going to go ahead and say his name. Some of y'all are going to hiss and boo, and others are going to go, woo-hoo. Well, I pray every day for Donald Trump. He is our president, and I pray for him every single day. I also, I also prayed for Barack Obama every single day. His wife and his children, I pray for our nation and our leaders. I don't idolize them and I don't demonize them. I, I want y'all to know something about me, and some of y'all, this is gonna upset some of you, but it's okay. I am not an ever Trump or a never Trump, okay? I am an ever Jesus and a never Satan. That's that's what I am, all right? <clears throat> I am very grateful for the pro-life, pro-marriage, pro-constitution of this current administration. And I have been to the White House to say as much, and I just wrote a note uh, uh, not long ago to say just as much. I am very grateful that the person that I voted for is being true to his word, and he's doing those things. But what I'm not grateful for is when you belittle and when you demean people because of their height or because of their nationality, or because of their disabilities. And as a Christian, as a follower of Christ, I do not believe that is of God. Did I tell you all that at first, I'm a follower of Jesus, and then I love my nation? And so I'm not an ever-Trump, or I'm not a never-Trump. I'm an ever-Jesus, and I'm a Satan-hating person. And as a preacher, as a man of, mm, tell you something... As a man of God, you need to be able to stand up there and call right, right. You need to be able to say wrong is wrong. I don't know who, I don't care who they are, all right? <clears throat> you know why I'm getting emotional saying this? So, if y'all ask me later, I'll tell you what I really think about all this, so... Well, guys, we, we're in a big mess. Our nation is so divided. I mean, why, where, where, come on, guys, is it too much to stand during the national anthem, for heaven's sake? Is it too much to stand for the Pledge of the Allegiance? Man, I want to fight racial injustice, and I want to fight every injustice, tooth and nail. But that's not the place to do it. It's too divisive. It's too disharmonious. And so point number three is live out your faith with love and respect. Live out our faith with love and respect. Paul says in 1 Timothy 2, 2, lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. Did y'all hear that? Live out your faith 
with all godliness and being quiet and with reverence. But Acts chapter 5, when time comes and you have to take a stand, then may God help us have steel backbones and be able to stand and speak the truth in love. And the last thing I would share is this, be a good patriot. By this I mean stand for your flag and your national anthem. Be grateful that we live in such an amazing country. But in the same breath, I would say, I would say, I mean, I'm so privileged. And living in America, my skin has always been this color. And I've never been looked down upon. I've never been judged. And I've not been the recipient of racism because of my color. But I will tell you something, many in our country have. And many in our country deal with this. You say, I know, Brother Danny, and, I, and I'm, I'm sorry for that. What, what can we do about that? Well, we can, we can stand up. We can speak out. And we can reach out. And we can love people of color. And we can say, listen, you, you're my brother. You're my sister. You're an American just like me. I'm telling you, the Word of God has no place for bigotry, for racism, for judgmentalism. We, I, God looks down upon us. You don't see a bunch of color. He just sees us as humanity. And we all bleed. We all bleed red. So, oh, I'm just so hot. Can I show y'all something? <laughs> if I didn't have this on, it would be ugly. There would be just stuff all on me. It's good. I tell you. I, I, guys, I like to wear coats sometimes when I preach. I just can't. I just, I just really can't. It's, it's, an, it's an ugly thing. It just gets wet. Blessed, happy is the nation, whose God is the Lord. Can I close the sermon and ask you a question? Is God your Lord? Is this God that I'm talking about, this triune God, is he your Lord? Is he your king? And by the way, you have a choice. Thank you so much, Thomas Jefferson, our founding fathers. Thank you so much that we don't... We don't force people to worship at a certain church or a certain altar. We have a freedom. We have the ability to choose. God created us in his image. And we can choose to reject him or we can choose to embrace him. And I would offer you today, my dear friend, would you choose this day as the Holy Spirit of God. By the way, even the fact that you could choose him as an act of grace of God. That God would reach out to you by his Holy Spirit. And he would convict you and he would draw you to the Son of God. And all you got to do is say, Lord, I believe and I'm sorry for my sins and I trust in you today to be my king. Would you do that today? If you've never done that, invite Christ. Invite him in to be your Savior and your Lord. Come just as you are. Embrace him as your king. You say, well, I got a lot of hang-ups and I got a lot of... I've got a lot of issues in my, in my mind and in my body and, and, and things I'm dealing with and things that I don't completely understand or I don't completely agree with. I'm so glad, I'm so glad that God does not say, get your act together and then come see me. No, God says, come see me. I'll help you get your act together. But first you got to come see him. You got to come as you are, as you are. Praise the Lord as you come. In a moment, we will, we will receive you.
Others of you today, I, I, I hope this message has helped you. I really do. I, I know I ran the risk. There's some people that just idolize certain politicians. And when I stand up here and criticize, it, it just makes people, makes people angry. Don't, don't be angry. Don't, don't be angry. Just say, God, help him. Help the poor soul. Just pray for him. Pray for your pastor. But I do implore you, when some, something's right, affirm it. If it's wrong, in Jesus' name, stand against it. If it's wrong, speak. I don't appreciate that. I respect this about you, but I, I disagree with that. I, I tell you, that is a great blessing and a benefit to whomever will, will listen. Okay, thank you all. God bless you. Thank you for listening. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes and let's pray. Let's have our invitation. We'll get out a little bit later, but thank you, Lord, for our time together. Thank you for this church. Thank you, God, for our history. Thank you, God, for what you're doing today. And thank you, Jesus, for what you will do in us and through us. Help us to be just latched to the cross. Help us to sing about it, proclaim it. Help us to never be ashamed of it. Help us as a church, dear Lord, to stand first and foremost for you. And then help us, Lord. Help us to be good citizens, to honor our nation, our nations of which we belong because you determined where and when, God, we would be born. Help us, Lord, to reach out to those who are less fortunate, God, those who are judged and ostracized. And, Lord, help us to reach across racial lines, geographical lines. Help us reach across political lines. God, may we most of all be known as Jesus-loving, Satan-hating people. And, Father, I pray for individuals in this room right now or people who are watching us on live stream all over the nation, that, God, you would draw them to yourself and help them. Come, 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 just as you are. And watch what God can do with a simple act of faith and obedience. Look what God can do. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you as you stand to your feet. We'll have pastors here at the front. We'll have men and women of God who will stand here and we'll pray with you. We'll encourage you. Would you, would you want to come? Would you want to come to the altar? Would you want to tell God, just say, God, thank you for what you're doing and how you're doing it in my family, in my life, and in my church. God, it doesn't look like what I thought it should look like. God, it doesn't sound exactly like what I thought it should sound like, but God, it's, it's you, and you're good, and I can trust in you. God bless you as you come, even now as we sing.